Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. It's not a topic anyone wants to talk about. In fact, when I was pregnant with my son, I couldn't even listen to people talking about it. Yet stillbirth in Australia is common enough that you probably know someone who's gone through it. Still Six Lives is a government-funded campaign to educate Australians about stillbirth. In Australia, there are six stillborn babies every day, and that rate hasn't changed in 20 years. Jackie Mead is the co-CEO of Red Nose Australia, and Maggie is a mum who lost her second son, Jamie, to stillbirth at the height of COVID last year. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Firstly, Maggie, I just want to start by saying thank you for talking to us today and also to acknowledge your loss. And please feel comfortable um, if you need a break or you don't want to answer a question, just let us know, okay? Thank you, Siobhan. Thanks. Now, um, could we start, Maggie, with yourself? Can you tell me why you decided to share your story? Um, Sure. So I... um lost my son Jamie in April last year and um, since then I've just really noticed how uh, having a stillborn child makes you feel so isolated and so alone and I think probably the biggest thing for me about sharing my story is that I want to create a bit of awareness about the topic because it's something that I didn't know anything about prior to having Jamie Um, And also just so that there is a little bit more education about how we approach parents who have lost a child to stillbirth as well. I think that um, there needs to be a little bit more of a dialogue about how we can offer the right kind of support to those people while also kind of honouring the children that they have lost. So that's why I feel so strongly about sharing my story. Well, thank you for doing that. Um, Jackie, the statistics show that Many of us will know someone who has had a stillbirth. Do we know why these rates are so high in Australia? That's exactly right. In fact, you know, almost six in 10 people know somebody who's had a stillbirth, and yet we still haven't put our collective minds to reducing the rates. Uh, It's not that we don't know, um, and it's not that research isn't being done, but there hasn't been an appetite in Australia to talk about it, and that's why our rates haven't reduced compared to other countries around the world. Maggie, how have people responded to your loss? It was at the height of COVID, which was a challenging time anyway. Um, What did you find? How did they respond to it? Yeah, so I think my husband and I have been one of the lucky ones in the sense that um, we were met with a lot of support from um, family and friends, but we definitely still did, you know, receive a mixture of responses. It was a really difficult time for us and for our loved ones because we were in the middle of lockdown, so people couldn't even really come to see us or give us their condolences. No one got to meet Jamie. No one got to attend his funeral. Um, So, you know, we did have family and friends who could support us from afar and they did so as best as they could. Um, But then, you know, on the flip side, we definitely had people who didn't really say anything and people who said things that probably they thought were helpful um, but made me feel a little bit worse. Um, So, you know, it's... um, 
it, it's hard for everyone, I think, you know, the people who are grieving and also the people who are trying to offer support to the people who are grieving as well. When I think about, um, I remember distinctly when I was pregnant, the show I was working on was doing a story about stillbirth and I, I just couldn't listen. It terrified me. It made me feel sad. It made me feel sick. Um, when you think about those that that just didn't know what to say do you think it was fear that they would say the wrong thing or how do you, how do we help people overcome those sorts of feelings to be the support parents need when they've lost a child so i definitely think it's fear of saying the wrong thing and not wanting to upset the person more because i i used to be one of those people like what you just explained with you know, how you couldn't even bear to listen to stories about stillbirth, I was exactly the same. So I think the primary concern for people is that they're going to say something that's going to make you cry and get really upset in front of them and they won't know how to handle it and they'll feel guilty for making you feel worse. I think probably the key thing for people who are trying to support someone who's lost a child through stillbirth is to remember that the parents are always going to be thinking about their child no matter what. You're not going to suddenly remind them like they've just forgotten. So please don't feel scared to bring up their child and even say their child's name. For me personally, I love hearing Jamie's name and I love talking about him. Um, and, you know, the other thing is I think people, when we don't know what to say, we tend to fall back on euphemisms and, you know, cliche sayings and things because we think that's what people want to hear but when we really break down what we mean by some of those you know things that we say often the message that grieving parents get is I am uncomfortable with your grief I don't know how to handle it I'm going to say something that's going to kind of make it better for you because I, I don't know what to do and I can definitely understand how difficult it is for people supporting people who are grieving um, and, you know, but I think the best thing you can do really is acknowledge their loss, you know, say that you're very sorry and just offer them support. It could be something as simple as just sitting with them or having a cup of tea with them or, you know, offering them the opportunity to talk about their child, you know, but things like it wasn't meant to be or um, this, you know, God only gives us things we can handle or, at, you know, at least it was at this many weeks or, you know, those kinds of comments aren't helpful. No, I can imagine they're not. Do you think um, maybe what people do understand is that endless and deep grief you must be feeling and, and therefore just allowing that grief to be? You just mentioned that people are often really uncomfortable with other people's sadness. Yes. Do we just need to say, okay, this we get how deep this grief must be and our job is to bear witness, listen and and just accept that and sit with that? Yes, that uh, definitely you've hit the nail on the head. That is all you can do really and that that's the bitter reality of it is that you can't make it better for someone by trying to offer them hope or or say things like, you know, at least you can have another baby because Nothing is going to take away from the fact that that person is in pain because they've lost their child. So mm. as you say, the best thing you can do is just accept that they're going to be grieving and allow them the space to grieve and just be there for them in the background. Can I just add something to that, Siobhan? Of course. Because 
the the opposite of that is that sometimes family and friends expect that people do get over it quickly because you know the baby's not in their lives anymore and you know you know having it referred to as as a pregnancy rather than a baby you know can be absolutely heartbreaking but some of the stories that bereaved parents tell us about responses from family and friends who expect that they're ready to move on before they are are just heartbreaking mm, which i find very hard to get my head around because uh, i imagine what well, you just don't ever stop grieving a lost child like it how can it ever be over I don't know yeah well you don't and you know this Christmas day I actually was working as a peer supporter on our 24-7 phone line and I received a call from a very elderly woman right on lunchtime she was all by herself at home and she'd been to visit her husband in the morning and he had dementia and unfortunately he was right back at the time that they'd lost their baby and so she was terribly distressed about the fact that it had all been brought back up and she was sitting there, you know, 50 years after the loss of that baby, still experiencing the trauma and the grief. Yeah. Well, Jackie, stillbirth is not always preventable, but there are some things that parents to be can do to reduce the risk. Can you talk us through what they are? Yeah, look, there's three really simple things that parents can do. The first one is to stop to stop smoking and avoid secondhand cigarette smoke. The second one is to monitor baby's movements. You know, uh, there's a whole lot of myths around the fact that, you know, uh, towards the end of pregnancy, baby might stop moving because there's not enough space anymore. But in fact, it's absolutely critical that uh, parents become attuned to the patterns of movements of their baby. And if there are changes to those patterns, that they seek help from a medical professional. And the third one and the least known one is that if you sleep on your side after 28 weeks, you can reduce the risk of stillbirth by 50% compared to sleeping on your back. Do we know why that is, why the side is is preferable? Yeah, it's about um, the oxygen that can get through in different positions to the placenta. uh, So, you know, it makes sense um, that that's the way that we should do it. And, you know, Mums shouldn't be uh, worried if they find that they've rolled onto their back in the night or in the middle of a sleep. They should just roll back onto their sides and and uh, that will be preventive of stillbirth. I think something we don't acknowledge is that quitting smoking uh, can actually be really challenging. Are there places that can help pregnant women specifically quit smoking? Absolutely. And, um, you know, all of the uh, antenatal the people that are supporting pregnant women during the antenatal period will be more than happy to provide advice on that. But I think you're right. One of the real difficulties around it too is that it's so frowned upon that, in fact, women often feel that they can't talk about the difficulties that they're having in stopping smoking because they fear the response that they're going to get. Maggie, Jamie was 21 weeks old when you had a placental abruption, which um, when I looked it up, it said it means that the placenta separates from the inner wall of the uterus and that can deprive the baby of oxygen and nutrients. And as I mentioned earlier, um, not all stillbirths are preventable and it didn't sound like it was preventable with Jamie. Why is it still important for you to talk about this? 
I think, uh, you know, I think it's just really important for mothers who are pregnant to know the risks. You know, I think um, we all know that pregnant women shouldn't be eating soft cheese and shouldn't be drinking alcohol, but it's lesser known that women should be, as Jackie mentioned before, sleeping on their side and, you know, monitoring all of their baby's movements, whether they're fast or slow and then anything in between. And so if I can share my story and at least one person hears it and takes the time to, you know, take these changes on board and, you know, go on to have a healthy baby and healthy birth and, you know, everything, then I feel as though I haven't shared my story, you know, for no reason. You know, it's it's meant something. So I, I just want other people to be informed so that they can go on to have healthy pregnancies and healthy babies. Maggie, for many of us, what you've been through is an unimaginable loss. How are you going now? It's been... Um, you know, a rocky road for us because we lost Jamie in lockdown and then we went on to have subsequent lockdowns here in Melbourne. Um, so we've been very isolated. Um, I've been quite depressed. I feel as though I was starting to feel a little bit more hopeful and a little bit better in the last few months, but probably in the last few weeks I feel as though I'm back to where I was because Jamie's first birthday is only two weeks away now. So, yeah, it's it's just it's a really difficult thing to go through and I think probably something that I accepted really quickly was that I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life feeling sad and grieving and missing him and wishing he was here and that's just something that I will just carry with me for the rest of my life. Mm. Well, I really appreciate you speaking with us today and your honesty and for helping to get this message out. Thank you both for speaking with me today. No worries. Thank you for having me. That's Maggie and Jackie Mead, co-CEO of Red Nose Australia. And for more information about stillbirth, check out the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.